Hello everyone, this is Pastor Dean Thompson with a word of hope. The Unveiled Christ, part 14. Don't be a chameleon Christian. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, These things, says he, who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Revelation chapter 2, verses 12 to 17, New King James Version. Are you a compromising Christian? Do you find yourself drifting back? into worldly behavior and practices? Are you again enjoying things you have turned away turned away from when you came to Christ? How is your prayer life today? How is your Bible study habit? Are you sharing your faith with others? How would you describe your walk with Jesus? Are you preferring the companion of worldlings over spending quality time with your Lord in prayer? Are you finding that your love for pleasure and entertainment is greater than your love and desire for God? Do you find that you are, you are too greatly influenced by the evils in your, in your environment? Pergamum or, or Pergamos is about 40 miles northeast of Smyrna. It served as the capital of the Roman province of Asia during the time of John. Pergamon was praised as, a, as the epicenter of intellectual activity in the entire Hellenistic world, in addition to its political significance. Only Alexandria had a library as well known as the one in Pergamon, with approximately 200,000 volumes. Galen, a well-known physician in antiquity, who attended Asclepius Medical School, was born and raised in this city. Additionally, Pergamum was a significant religious hub, known for the splendid temples it housed for the gods Zeus, Athena, Dionysus, and Asclepius. The large Zeus altar, whose central section is on display in the Pergamum Museum in Berlin, stood on the hilltop above the city. It was 40 feet tall and stood on a 
protruding granite ledge. The hillside exactly resembled a large seat or throne, and it was covered in, in the smoke from sacrifices made to Zeus every day. The, the, the enormous sanctuary of Asclepius, the serpent god of healing, was located close to the city. People traveled from all over the world to the shrine during the days of John to seek the help of the god Asclepius. Zeus and Asclepius were both referred to as the savior, and a serpent served as their symbol, an emblem retained by the modern medical profession. The first ancient city to support the imperial religion and have a temple devoted to the veneration of the Roman emperor was Pergamum. This may help to explain why the city is referred to as the location of Satan's throne. Jesus comes to the church in Pergamum with a sharp double-edged sword. This church could be called the compromising church. And it needs the sharp double-edged sword of God's discernment. Hebrews 4 verse 12 tells us that the sharp double-edged sword is in reference to God's word. It stands against compromise. The church in Ephesus is sound in doctrine, but lacking love. Pergamos seems to have more love, but is less sound in doctrine. How does Jesus analyze this church? Three main things. First, they live in a dangerous place where the throne of Satan is. They are exposed to satanic power and influence. Pergamum was a major city of pagan worship, demonic, demonic worship, and temples. The religion of Pergamum was attractive in its own way. For Christians to live there was a dangerous thing. Second, Jesus recognizes that they have strength and courage. They live in a dangerous place. The word live in Greek means they settle down in Pergamum. They live there permanently. The demands for emperor worship pose the biggest threat to the Christian church. The city served as the epicenter of Asia's imperial religion. Emperor worship was a sacred obligation of all citizens in John's time. Once a year, each resident of the province was required to go before the local magistrates in Pergamum over a pinch of incense, offer a pinch of incense to a statue of the emperor and declare, Caesar is Lord, after which they would be given a certificate. The emperor's worship served as a litmus test for a person's commitment to Rome. Failing the test and declining the certificate resulted in persecution and even death. The Christians in Pergamum actually resided where Satan dwelt at the time. The name Antipas, which is prevalent in Greek, most likely relates to a Pergamon-based Christian who died as a martyr for his beliefs while remaining steadfast. We don't know anything about him. Perhaps his martyrdom, martyrdom was a price he had to pay for disobeying the emperor. He was burnt to death in a brazen bull during the reign of the emperor Domitian, according to later tradition. Martos, a Greek word, typically meaning witness, the term martyr came to denote one who witnessed till death. 
when many devoted witnesses were later martyred in the early church for their faith. Third, they were tolerant of false teachings and unholy behavior. Balaam was a prophet of God who lived in Mesopotamia, Iraq. The king of Moab saw the Israelites and bribed Balaam to go against them. His brilliant idea was to find a prophet of their God to come and curse them, and perhaps their God would forsake them, and Moab would be able to conquer them. Moab's king used money to settle the matter. Balaam taught the king how to entice the Israelites into sexual immorality. To take and, and allow them to take part and cause them to take part in pagan feasts and eat food sacrificed to idols. Through these, the Israelites were led into sin, and a great plague came and destroyed many of them. In Pergamum, there were some with similar teaching and beliefs as Balaam, as Balaam's strategy in enticing the people to go astray. The Nicolaitans in the church. From Greek, Nicolaitans mean one who conquers the people. These people were like, were like Balaam, whose name means in Hebrew, swallowing the people. So Balaam and Nicolaitans are two words, two terms in two different languages meaning the same thing. In Pergamum, it seems both these groups were tolerated. They were taking Paul's word in 1 Corinthians 8, 4 to 8, out of context and teaching the wrong thing to the people. Hear what 1 Corinthians 8, 4-8 says. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other god but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge for some, for some with consciousness of the idol, until now eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. But food does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat, are we the worse? 1 Corinthians 8, 4-8 In Paul's context, he was talking about meat purchased in the shambles and fellowshipping with others. In Revelation's context, it was all about worship. Another of Paul's teaching that they were misapplying is 1 Corinthians 9, 19-23 For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. So to those who are under law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might be by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. 1 Corinthians 9, 9-23 So they were taking Paul's words out of context, saying that they too can become all things to all men. So they indulge 
in eating meat sacrificed to idols and practicing sexual immorality, using that as a guise, saying that they are trying to win others. To this church, Jesus gives counsel. The first counsel he gives, repent. This is the aorist imperative to start to do something, to start repenting. They don't think they need to repent, but Jesus is insisting that they do repent. They are to repent of their tolerance of evil. And if they do not deal with the people who are seeking to destroy the church, Jesus promises to come and fight against them with the sword of his mouth. Second counsel is to listen to the Spirit. And the third, keep your eyes on the reward. What are the rewards for the overcomers? First reward, they will be given the divine food. They will receive the hidden manna. This is a symbol of the Christians in a restored relationship with Jesus. The Jews used to believe in the first century that when manna falls from heaven, the Messiah would have come. If manna comes from heaven, the Messiah has come. So that is why in John 6, the people saw in Jesus the possibility that he, he could have been the Messiah. He could be the Messiah. So they said to him, if you are the Messiah, give us manna from heaven. <laughs> you know, Revelation 2.17, manna is promised. This is spiritual food in contrast to the idol food that they were partaking of. Spiritual food comes from heaven. The second reward, they were promised white stone. In ancient times, in the courts, a judge, would, a judge would not read a sentence of acquittal. The judge would instead give a white stone which signifies that the person has been acquitted. A black stone would signify condemnation. Pergamum here has been given the assurance that if they repented, they would be acquitted. The third reward promised to them that they will be given a new name. In the Old Testament, a person's name represents their character and life. Changed names in, in the Old Testament, the persons whose names have been changed was like Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. Abraham was changed to Abraham. A new character, deter, a new character demands a new name. And because after, being repent, after repenting, Pergamon would have been given a new name. Compromise is almost never an instantaneous thing. Most times compromise happens gradually. Sometimes we are not even aware that we are drifting away from the path of right and truth. Many Christians who end up outside of the church and outside of Christ, starting with very small compromises, and often with the neglect of prayer and Bible study, then we start lowering the standard of what we know the Word of God requires of us. If you find that you are on a downward drift in your spiritual life, now is the time to make some firm decisions. Now is the time to make a U-turn. Now is the time to restore your prayer life and return to consistent Bible study and share your faith with others. You need to be very intentional about it. Make the time to do what God wants you to do. The historical application of the message to Pergamos. I'm quoting from Stefanovich. In applying the message to the church in Pergamum to Christian history, 
the situation of this church seems to aptly fit into the period after the conversion of Constantine to Christianity in AD 313. The church finally won its struggle with paganism, and Christianity became the state religion. The Christians did not have to fear persecution or outside pressure anymore. Tradition was gradually replacing the Bible as a source of teaching and belief. Although many Christians remained, remained unwavering and faithful to the gospel during this period, the 4th and 5th centuries of the Christian era, era were characterized by spiritual decline and apostasy, during which the church wrestled with the temptation of compromise. End of quote. O oh God, we need you to help us to stop compromising. We need help to turn from worldly things. We need your strength to stand firm and to be true in the face of all the evils around us. Our hearts are too easily distracted from you. Our affections for you are too easily eclipsed. Please help us to fix our hearts upon Jesus. Help us to renew a rich prayer life, to consistently study and read our Bible, and to faithfully share our faith with others. Please help us to be true Christians, not little devils pretending to be saints. Amen. God bless you, my brothers and sisters. <laughs>